Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 10th episode of Crime Over Wine, the only podcast with head-scratching true crime stories that are just better over a bottle of wine. I'm your host, Liam Collins, and this week, my guest co-host is a nationally published award-winning journalist, documentary producer, and podcaster. He's also probably the most well-versed person in our story this week. So my guest co-host this week is Joseph Fennedy. Hello, Joseph. How are you doing? Uh, Liam, so awesome to be with you. This is my first ever wine crime podcast. So the fact that we're talking crime over wine uh, is like a first for me. This is so cool. Well, I am so honored that this is the first one. This is so cool. It's it's I, I've had this, you know, Liam told me that that we were going to do this and we we're going to talk about the Betty Willis case and mm. we're going to do this podcast. And uh, so he has this particular wine. I know you're going to talk about this, but it's but my point is it's been sitting on my desk, you know, <laughs> waiting, tempting everybody. It's, just, it's so it's I mean, that's a great way to get through the week, you know, put, oh, put, yeah. a, put a bottle of like really great wine on your desk Monday and just have to stare at it all week, knowing that if you if you get your work done, you can, you know, have, you know, crime over wine. All, all we need to get is get to Friday and then that bottle of wine. Hey, you know what? Maybe I'll start doing that. You know, just put that bottle of wine right in my desk and be like, you know what? Like, you know, I just have to get through this to-do list and then you're mine. You know what I'm saying? Seriously. It's been calling <laughs> out to me. I'm like, maybe I'll just call Liam like midweek and say, can I just record now? I want <laughs> Let's to open do this it. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> well, so Joseph is an independent journalist who has been published in Rolling Stone and LA Magazine to mention a few. He has written extensively about some of the biggest names in music, but also so some names you likely have never heard of before, which is a huge theme for the story we're going to tell you about today. He was published in LA Magazine for writing comprehensively and by far the most extensively about the story we are going to tell you about today. I'm thrilled that I got to talk about this this topic, um, uh, this amazing soul singer no one's ever heard mm-hmm. of. And by no one, I mean no one, you know, just mm-hmm. like five people on the planet. Um, and and I'm so happy that we're finally getting to give this this woman a voice but it's like but it had to be comprehensive right because no one right. else said i mean i had to dig from square one you know how it is you you work in news it's like lots of the time it seems that by the time a story arrives we have some pieces of it mm. you know together and right. so we get to add on to that and look into more with with this case as you found out um mm. it, it was like starting at, at square one so and i'm glad you you mentioned that because you know a lot of times as you know for, and i'm guilty of this myself on this podcast you know talking about stories that you know have all of this you know already pre-published work that i can work off of and kind of you know get leads from and and go about it that way um but the stories that nobody's talking about you know arguably need to be told even more so and so, you know, it's it's so it was so, you know, refreshing to read through your article and, you know, be able to get a very detailed approach on Betty Willis and on her story. Um, and, you know, I use a lot more sources, um, a lot of other sources than just your article. Um, but I also, you know, was you know, I could have written an entire episode just off of just off of your article. So it's so great to see that some that, you know, even even at square one, you were able to to bring the story to light. Um, but before we even get there, um, I'm not going to waste a single extra second, Joseph. We have wine right, to drink. Right, that's that's so, crime. Let's also yeah, talk. right. Let's talk wine. You know, you know, I you know, I think that's really what what the people want to hear. You know, I you know, 
let's let's just go for it. So right. this this week we are drinking Mark West's Pinot Noir. The wine is aiming to find the balance between savor and spice. It has notes of caramel, vanilla, and toasted oak, while finishing with notes of dried cherries and brown spice. So what do you say we like crack it open and go for it? I've been waiting for this moment, all this hard work. <laughs> We're gonna do a toast to Betty, and right. everyone's gonna find out how this tastes they're gonna find out who betty is so cool to have permission to (laughs) have some fun while talking about some drama my bosses would never ever 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 let me talk about whatever i'm talking about over a glass of wine so i you know this podcast is my little excuse you know what i mean you have got you have got me feeling all kinds of nervous i mean here we are (laughs) you're at your house i'm at my house but i'm still like i'm mixing news with a glass of wine and i'm trying to look around i'm like Um, who's gonna yell at me right right right. well cheers to you joseph cheers cheers thank you for coming on I think we should transition now over to our story of the week. Joseph, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Well, so this week we want to tell you a pretty sad story, one that goes to show you that one turn can make all the difference. We're talking about a person who clearly had her head in the clouds, ready to follow her dreams, but had those dreams snuffed out in more ways than one. And I'm going to be honest with you, there's no definitive ending to this story, not because of a complicated investigation by any means but because of a delayed delivery of justice that is still playing out five years later. Today, we're going to tell you the story of Betty Willis, the soul singer. In the early morning hours of New Year's Day 2018, a woman is enjoying her first cigarette of the new year in Santa Ana, California, when she suddenly hears the terrifying sounds of a woman screaming for her life. The sounds were coming just over the wall that separated the woman's home from a small shopping plaza across the street. At first, the woman doesn't really seem to think much of these growing calls for help, but as they continue, she calls 911. Well, just a few minutes later, police come to the scene and are using the spotlight on top of their cars to cut through an unusually foggy night. They turn into the parking lot of this plaza and use their lights to reveal a terrifying scene, what is obviously a brutal sexual and physical assault in progress. The man takes off, pants still around his ankles, and police sprint after him, aware that they just caught this man in a violent rage, clear as day. Just a short while later, they arrest the man and tend to the woman who he was just found to be violently attacking. She is an older black woman, potentially homeless. She is pronounced dead at 4.34 a.m., just 20 minutes after the neighbor called police. Now, this seems to be a pretty clear-cut case. Even on the foggiest of nights, police quite literally found this man in the act. But it gets even clearer than that. That's because this whole attack was caught on camera. And Joseph, I'm hoping that that you're able to explain how this all ended up working out. Essentially, yes, you're right. There's there's a suspect who um, begins attacking this woman. Um, she is sleeping, by the way. And mm-hmm. this woman, uh, li- like you indicated earlier, was living on the street, was was homeless at the time. Um, and but she, I think it's not that simple. It's never that simple, right? Mm. And. Um, she, I think you think sometimes, oh, okay, so if you're homeless, you're homeless. No, you're homeless, and there's always more, there's always more to the story. Mm. 
And one important note, I think, is that where she was found, where she was attacked, um, she had picked out that spot and actually sought out permission from a store owner. It's a fabric store. And she went up to the owner one day after closing hours and she said, hey, I've been I see that you have this, this, you know, it's, it's kind of cornered, right? So it's like got, you know, she, she can look out and she can see the intersection, but you know, back against the wall always makes you feel safer usually. Right. So it's, it's, it's lit well, you know, it has a security light that comes on at night. So anyway, you've got someone who is very mindful and very smart and very quick about knowing, you know, since I am in an unhoused situation, making the best of it finding okay what is a what is a good corner what is a good well-lit area what is the smartest way to you know the safest way to be in an unsafe unsafe world so Mm. um so that's essentially at its fabric store called la amiga down in a beautiful fabric store by the way down in santa Ana, california in orange county like we said and uh there's a security camera there's a light and but then there's a bad guy too. Yeah, well, and so uh, you know, and and you describe this very very well in your article about how you know this you know all this commotion happens and this business owner you know you know decides oh well let me just go see what's going on and pulls it up on on his screen right because he has cameras all around yeah, you know recording right. that whole that whole area um, you know can you can you tell me a little bit about how that kind of how that came to be in terms of you know the relationship that she had with this business owner and you know you know how you know what evidence he yeah. relate to police you know, this is this is this zip code let's just be honest this neighborhood in the zip code it does get rowdy from time to time you know it, it there are noises and things and sirens and maybe someone yelling at someone else or whatever right. so to her a little bit of commotion is normal and you know we've all lived in those cities or we've all heard about those cities where it's like okay certain noises go okay there's just some little scuffle or some little thing essentially right. that that owner that Betty Willis had um, befriended and sought his permission to to be out front of his business after hours, um, which he, by the way, in some ways, kind of appreciated because she was able to give him a full report every morning, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, oh, yeah. this happened, that happened, or someone tried to park here. Or, I mean, you know, um, so they built this little, you know, kind of a, I, I think the best way to describe it is a bit of a friendship. Mm. Um, and uh, he gets a call, this, this, uh, fabric store owner, he gets a call. Um, I think it's coming up on 5 AM Liam and it's like from Santa Ana PD and he picks it up and he's, he and his family have owned this store, uh, since his father came here from Mexico and they, you know, became business owners. And so he owns a store and it's like, you know, uh, dispatches on the other end and they're like, something's happened huge crime has happened at your fabric store and we need you down there to help us out. And he's like, Oh, is like a fire or was there, was there a fight in the bargain lot? Mm. Or was there a fire? And they said, we think someone's died. So he, you know, again, this is Betty's friend at this point. He, you know, you know where your mind's going to go. Someone Mm. died in the parking lot. Who's the one person, you know? So he goes, thanks to technology, he goes and, he says, okay, I'm on my way. He goes and pulls up on his iPhone or on his smart device. He pulls up. He has four different camera angles. You know, the, mm. 
DA is going to be irritated that I have all this. But anyway, four different, and by have all this, I mean not the video. I mean just the fact that there are four cameras, just to be clear. Okay. But there are four different <laughs> camera angles. <laughs> and um, he's he pulls it up on his phone and he sees where Betty is supposed to be. And Betty is not. Mm-hmm. As in, and he sees activity and he sees, you know, police tape going up and he, you know, heads, heads out together right yeah yeah and heads out to the shop pretty quickly heads out to the store pretty quickly at that point and i think the the you know linchpin here is you know this was a location that she picked um because this was where she felt she would be okay right i mean it was right. like you like you mentioned it was a well-lit area um she knew about the cameras right so she knew if anything bad happened that it would at least at the very least be picked up um and that someone would know about it and i think that's a really um you know important important note here right of course, a very what yeah and, and also very much liam like on top of that like it just kind of helps you describe and understand this person right mm-hmm. because it's like you know not everyone's right. that detail oriented mm-hmm. she was yeah, that's that's a great point because I think you know there's a, this certain um, uh, connotation that comes with being homeless or being unhoused or you know experiencing right. homelessness and of someone who is just you know you know making poor decisions and I think that this really shows that Betty was being smart was you know regardless of of what her circumstances were was clearly very cognizant of the yeah, fact right. that she you know needed to if she was going to be living on the streets needed to select a place that was going to you know, provide some level of protection for her. Right. Just like when those of us who are housed, just when we pick out houses, mm-hmm. we pick out certain things, right? I want right. this, I want that, I want that. It, it, it's the same. I mean, I, I know some people may be sort of rolling their eyes, but honestly, it's sort of the same thing. You know, right. it's just, you you know, in life, you know, we've all got different situations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in Betty's case, you and I have a lot more in common with Betty than I think, you know, right. initially meets the eye or meets the judgmental mind. It's like, yep, she was just picking out a good spot to, to right. be safe and to, and to lay down. And so, so yeah, that, that was January 1st, 2018. That's that, that was, mm. so now we're up to what, 5.30 a.m. or so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the man police arrest is identified as Rosendo Zoe Peck. He was a 22-year-old immigrant from Guatemala. He's charged with murder with an enhancement for it taking place during a sexual assault. As for the woman he's accused of killing, initial reporting on the first murder of 2018 strictly identified her as an elderly black homeless woman. But police end up identifying her as 76-year-old Betty Willis. And true music lovers everywhere immediately recognize that name. The headlines shift from homeless woman brutally raped and murdered to identifying her for the life that she lived. A soul singer known for songs like Act Naturally and Someday You'll Need My Love. Oh, it just makes me so... I'm, see, I'm glad I'm having wine with you, Liam. Mm-hmm. I wish I wish we could have Betty here sitting yeah. next to us, but I think in some ways we do. Because um, just hearing you say... I love hearing it out loud. Songs like Act Naturally and Someday You'll Need My Love. Go look it up, everyone. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm so happy to hear you talk about Betty's music. It's so cool, bringing it to life. Um, there was an old song, Act Naturally. Buck Owens did it. Go, you know, Bakersfield mm-hmm. Sound. You know, they're going to put me in the movies, that whole thing. Right. Um, and, uh, and I think it was Phil Spector, Leon Russell, for sure. They wanted to do like a... Um, uh, a retooled kind of soul version of it. Like, let's get a real strong black voice to make mm-hmm. Act Naturally not a kind of buckaroo kind of country song. Let's let's 
let's change it up. Right. And that's what Betty did. And so, unfortunately for Betty, uh, the Beatles decided to do Act Naturally. So, I don't think hers got as much attention as it could have or should have because you know when you're when you're up against the Beatles you know you only have right you know you don't stand fighting chance yeah right exactly exactly (laughs) exactly and so it's like um but but the the really there's there's not much good that comes out of this story with the exception of what Betty was trying to do back in the Mm -hmm. 1960s when she was recording these songs act naturally someday you'll need my love and gone with the wind is my love is another one out there um she was trying to get people to hear them mm. and not enough people did hear them back then. Uh-huh. It, it should be pointed out if, if anyone's trying to kind of get a visual of Betty or of her music um, or of her, of her as an artist, Betty was from the same era. And by the same era, I mean like the same exact year uh-huh. as Aretha Franklin, mm. both Betty and Aretha were born the same year. Um, you know, obviously the same age. They they recorded music around the same time, the early 1960s. Um, unfortunately, they both died the same year at the mm. same age too, at 76. So that's they, they they had very similar paths. Both came from the South. Both left the South at the age of two. Um, and uh, you know, and again, it's a it's part two of the podcast where it's like you know, how do some people make it and others don't? Why right. do some people make it and others mm-hmm. don't? But Yes, if you haven't heard the name Betty Willis, that's totally normal at this point, you know? Yeah, um, but once you hear her voice and once you guys look up and listen to some of these songs, um, you're going to go, oh, wow, here's another great voice yeah. I need to add to my list. Yeah, and you know, I'm so glad you brought up Aretha Franklin because I think that that is so important to to keep in mind here, just in terms of the the different paths that two people can take who, you know intended to take the same path you know and that's that's i think that that's really that's really crucial here um but this news about betty's death shocked the music scene i mean how did an an ambitious talented young artist turn into a woman living on the streets the same streets where she spent her final moments to understand that you have to go back quite a bit and so joseph and i are going to go all the way back to the humble beginnings of what started off as what looks like a promising music career. Betty Willis was born on March 10th, 1941 in Sunflower County, Mississippi, just east of Greenville and northwest of Jackson. From a young age, she was a music lover through and through, a record collector and a regular at training her developing voice. By the early 1940s, she was moving out to California with her family, which Joseph appeared to be a pretty budding place for young artists, especially black artists, right? Yep. You look at what was happening at that time in the country what was happening at that time in the South and um, and as well as and or what was happening in music at that time. And mm-hmm. I've got something exciting I want to share about this time frame and about Betty's history in Mississippi that I just want to add here. And I think it's also because I had this uh, Mark West wine, but I just right. went down. <laughs> just, a little loose. Yes. Are you ready for the breaking news? I just went down sure. to Mississippi and I met with one of her producers, someone who used to produce Betty and wow. worked on Betty's music. So um, stay tuned because as you mentioned Mississippi, it got me excited because I just went down there to kind of follow up on, you know, kind of the the conclusion of Betty's story. Isn't it fun to kind of have a, a county called Sunflower County too? 
Like I've never. That is kind of. I did. I did it. So it, you you told me about that, yeah. and that was. I think that is really fun. That is probably the most Mississippi thing I think I've yeah, ever heard. Yeah. Right. Yep. Sunflower County. But but yeah, this was so. It's time frame, like you said, we're at the beginning of the 1940s. Betty's a little girl. Mm-hmm. Um, her family, like so many families at that time, um, were heading. You know, again, I compared it with Aretha Franklin. Aretha Franklin, they went east. The Franklin family went east. Um, Betty, the Willis family, they went west. Um, and um, and that's where Betty, Betty's family, I think a lot of their background was in farming and agriculture. So they um, they went kind of, you know, for those who are familiar with the, the terrain of California and the regions of California, they really went kind of like, um, kind of Fresno area, kind of where there was a lot of farming mm. in Central California. That's where they first kind of landed before kind of heading up to Southern California, the California that we all hear about all the time. So that's how Betty kind mm. of she and her family got got west. Mm. Well, so Betty eventually found her footing and found her people too. She started performing in clubs and took opportunities to record with some pretty big names, even recording an unreleased duet called My Tears Will Go Away with Bill Medley, who would eventually find fame as half of the Righteous Brothers. But inarguably, her most famous song was called Act Naturally, and we're going to play just a short clip for you of it right now. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that just a voice where it's like, how have I not heard this voice? And right. how how tragic that it, you know, sometimes you don't hear about certain people in this world mm. until they're gone. Yeah. And, you know, that, that, the, um, you know, you're going to see me in the movie is mm-hmm. just, I mean, breaks mm-hmm. my heart because it's like, you know, we never saw Betty in the movies. Right. And it's like, maybe we could have if she had, you know, the right support system or the right, you know, the right chance to make that happen. Right. And it just, right. you know, it's just, it's all in hindsight. And it just makes me, it makes me very sad. And, it, and that voice, too. I mean, she yeah. had, such an incredible powerful voice yeah. i mean that is that cuts through yeah yeah you know um betty betty didn't get a movie and yeah. you know we'll talk in a moment about how she in in my opinion and in the opinion of a lot of people who've looked at this case has yet to have gotten respect right. so you know mm. By the end of this, you and I will be requesting R-E-S-P-E-C-T and everyone singing along for, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for yeah. Betty. <laughs> well, so by the mid-1960s, Betty's career just hadn't taken off. And then she found herself pregnant and she gave birth to her beautiful baby girl who she named Stephanie. But like so many single parents, she realized that she had to trade in a far-reaching, maybe impractical dream for something more stable for the sake of her child. So by the mid-1970s, Betty's recording schedule was next to empty, and she got a job at the U.S. Post Office. Yeah. So we all know those moments in life. We've all had those moments where it's like, you've got the really good job, or you've got the really good gig, mm-hmm. or you've got the thing that you love to do, and then you have to go do a job that is not what was on your vision board. Right. If Betty had a vision board, I know, with all due respect to the great U.S. Postal Service, mm-hmm. that, you know, you know, 
the postal service. That wasn't on, the dream. No, that no, wasn't the dream. No, it's on very few people's radar as mm-hmm. the dream. I guess you know she clearly wanted to to make it in music. She clearly yeah. wanted to, yeah. to make art. Um, and you know, so this was very much so a had to pay the um, bills. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. So she got to this point in her life where it's like, okay, and of course a baby came along. So it's like, all mm-hmm. right, I've got to be a responsible mom. Changes here. everything, right? <sighs> you know, it's like I've got to, I've got to. If like like you just mentioned, her 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 schedule of recordings and performing was no longer there. So it's like, well, that's not there. I need money, and I need to raise my kiddo here so Mm -hmm. all right let's go see who's hiring postal service is hiring so she um you know got a day job and um Mm. and began a career with the united states postal service and she was down at a um again right i mean again going from like recording at hollywood um you know and at uh you know with with names like phil Spector and and um Leon Russell and all all the things that come along with a Hollywood recording session. Hollywood recording sessions. People who, you know, artists would dream of recording with back in the day, exactly. right? Exactly. Even just once. Mm-hmm, even just right. once going to what was, you know, some of your your listeners will know, Gold Star Studios. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, the wall of sound. And so she's now in Santa Ana at the Postal Service and, you know, uh, has been working there for a little while. And then comes along, like I said, you'd be a great, you'd be a great male person. I could still see it. <laughs> but then comes along someone who is a little like you, a little like me. This 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 kid named Anthony, a little bit younger than us, though. This kid named Anthony. <laughs> Thanks for he's, that. He's eighteen. <laughs> but but if it makes you feel better, he's way older than us now. <laughs> but this this young guy. So what you have is you have this new character entered into the story. And honestly, mm-hmm. if it weren't for this. 18 year old at the time we're talking 1980 right so she kind of wrapped things up in the 70s with music and by 1980 she is at the postal service so is anthony Mm -hmm. a young 18 year old kid who um has also decided to get a summer job and um so betty moved on right you know it's like okay moving on and remember back then we have to consider and you weren't alive back then neither was i but It's not like now, like after you and I do this podcast, I can email you or text you and say, hey, can I have a copy? Or hey, can you show me this or give me a link or whatever? Back then, you didn't get copies of stuff, you know, especially if you're up and coming, right? right? You know, it's just like, hey, we'll let you know if it gets released. We'll Mm -hmm. let you know if we even release it under your name. We'll let you know what your name is. We'll let you know if, you know, so time marched on. And so again, post office Betty got post office anthony but anthony is not this 18 year old is not just any you know i mean he's the youngest guy at this post office in santa Ana, and he's also and you guys are gonna love this so grab your wine if you're listening (laughs) he's also a record collector Mm -hmm. he's a music lover the walkman had just come out like within six months of of what we're talking about right now so Betty Willis had a Walkman, by the way. And so Anthony's looking at his coworker at the post office, Betty, this woman he's just met. And he's like, oh, so cool. She has a Walkman. And of course, <laughs> again, now we know how Betty survived the postal service. She's probably listened to some really cool tunes. You know, right. it's like, that's mm-hmm. how you get through. We've all been there. We've all <laughs> We've been all there. Been... We've all had that job. Yes. Yeah. It's like, just put on your blinders and go. Right. So, you know, but 
Anthony is interested in having a conversation. While Betty may be able to drown out the noise of the boringness and the mundaneness of the U.S. Postal Service, Anthony, on the other hand, Liam, he's like, I don't know, probably like would be you and me if you and I had met at the post office and no one was talking. You and I would find a way to have some 15-minute coffee chats or wine. I usually do. I usually do. (laughs) So Anthony's like, he's trying to make conversation and he he gets teamed up with Betty one week and they're sorting mail and doing all this, you know, horribly boring stuff. Let's just be honest. Mm -hmm. It's work that needs to be done, but God, this is like pre-machines too, or Mm. at least the machines they have now where they needed more hands-on stuff. So they're doing this boring, mundane kind of stuff. And Anthony's just kind of like losing it. He's like, I need someone to talk to. So he finally starts making conversation with Betty. He, He does his best to strike up a conversation with Betty. And it's just not clicking, just not clicking, just not clicking. As in, Betty wants to get the job done and get home and clock out, right? Well, finally, Anthony hits on a topic that perks up Betty's interest. And he says, you know, I've got a music collection. I collect records. And she goes, really? Wow, good. Okay, well, and she finally told him, she said, you know, I I used to record records. And he goes, really? And mm-hmm. Now I'm sure no work is getting done. <laughs> Don't tell the post. I was like, I'm just, it's just set aside. Nobody's the getting their mail, mail in Santa Ana that <laughs> no day. No one. No one got their mail that day. It's like, wait, you were you, you did right? What do you mean? What kind of what what'd you do? And she said, Well, I used to record this and that. And he says, Well, sing me one of your songs. She's like, No, don't worry about it. He says, No, I want you to sing. Come on, sing me one of your songs. She's like, You wouldn't have ever heard of it. And he goes, Try me. That's when she sings the song Liam just played. The Act Naturally song. Uh, they're going to put me in the movies. They're going to make a big star out of me. All I got to do is act naturally. Well, so Betty starts singing this. So again, we've gone from a woman wearing her Walkman headphones. Betty was also known to wear her uh, shades mm. indoors. So, you know, she had her sunglasses on and stuff. So now we've so got cool. sunglasses <laughs> off, right? We've got like Walkman headphones. We called them headphones back then. They weren't earbuds yet. She got her headphones off. And the conversation which looked to all of us as if if we had been there, it looked like this conversation not going to happen. Now it's like a karaoke fest, you know, American Idol back at this post office in Santa Ana, California. And so suddenly Anthony joins in and starts singing. And it's like, all I got to do is act naturally. You know, it's just like, oh my God, what happened? And so then Betty, according to Anthony, and you guys can read about this in the LA Magazine article, mm-hmm. but um, Anthony tells me that uh, midway through, Betty stopped singing. And so he's, but he's still, you know, he's on a roll, this 18 year old kid. He's like, all I got to do is act naturally. And then he's like, wait a minute, why'd you stop singing? And so now Betty's shades are now down by her nose and she's looking at him very suspiciously. And she's like, what's going on here? How do you know that song? And that's when he goes, oh my God, wait, you're Betty Willis. Mm. You're Betty Willis. And she goes, yeah, and what's your point? I mean, can you imagine if I came up to you in the newsroom and I'm like, you're Liam Collins. You're like, yeah. <laughs> you're Liam Collins. Yeah, what's your point? Mm. You. So that's the moment mm. that everything changed mm-hmm. where Anthony recognizes you're Betty Willis. And she goes, what are you talking about? Of course I'm Betty Willis. What's your point? Mm. And that's when he says a few words that will change the life of these two people forever. When he says to her, I have your record. Mm. That's where the friendship began. Mm. He went home on his break, by the way, like they weren't already taking a break, let's be honest. But Anthony <laughs> goes home on his break. He doesn't live far from the post office, Liam. He goes home and he actually 
gets his Betty Willis act naturally single and he takes the record to her. And so the friendship between Betty and Anthony begins that day in the early 1980s. You can't see this, but I have, I mean, I have chills all, all up and down my arm. Know, and, you know, know, it's partly because this is such a beautiful moment, but it's also, you know, a little bit of hindsight, right? You know, knowing, right. you know, what happens to Betty, right. you know, 20 right. years from then, um, 30 years from yeah. then, you know, it's just, it's, oh, it's just, that's, that's just so But magical. even then, and I know, and Liam, even if it stopped right there, mm-hmm. and even if it ended right. in a happy way, even if it just stopped right there, it still gives you chills because oh, right. you want to be able to... Have those moments in life where you go, do your own thing, you move on to whatever is next, but someone says, hey, I remember you mm-hmm. from whatever, whether it was you were really nice to me in first grade, or you were my favorite teacher, or you're my favorite weatherman, or whatever. It's like, it's so cool when people can circle back and go, I know, so it, it gives me chills just, I mean, every time I talk to people about this story, they say, did this really happen? Right. <laughs> like, I know. Yeah. Sounds like a movie. Well, and it's also, so we're talking about the 80s and she stopped singing, right? And, you know, probably yeah. like 10, 15 years before that. And, you know, I just, I can just imagine Betty, you know, just putting that life behind her. But then seeing this kid right. who probably, you know, wasn't even born or like ba- just barely born. Right. You know, when she stopped singing. And more singing. enthusiastic than she, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just, that's just incredible, you know, to, to, you know, have this minor, 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 you know, um, you know, at least in, again, in hindsight, you know, um, you know, career, uh, uh yeah. in singing, but have such an impact on this person who remembered your name, you know, it could have just been like, wow, you yeah. know, that sounds kind of familiar, but he remembered her name. And that is, incredible yeah yeah man and she couldn't believe it yeah i can't believe like it we just desc- i can't believe it <laughs> of course she can i mean can you you know someone can, and this is not they're not at a studio mm. they're not at a record store they're right. not even at a birthday party right. they're at the nine to five right. you know which by the way came out that same year too i was, I was, looking at this stuff. I was <laughs> well, like what was oh you know and you know most of my listeners are in tennessee so you know you're talking to the oh, right people yeah. here <laughs> some of that some of the kitchen was out that right. year that movie was out that year oh, that's what we're talking we're talking about the jane fonda uh lily tomlin mm-hmm. dolly parton year of at the movies so that's the year that it happened so yeah the the it is it, it was just a moment and so yeah beautiful moment so that's that's when they first met at the post office yeah. those two people and and you'll you guys will hear in a minute how anthony comes into play here yeah. but anthony is not over yet and it, the rest of anthony's mm-hmm, story is mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful so stay tuned for that um but this is when betty's life gets about as foggy as the night she was killed back in 2018 somehow after she retired from the post office betty ended up homeless and living on the streets by the 90s and joseph this is when i feel like her life takes a bit of a sad turn because you know you see pictures of her and you see so much joy and so many dreams that beautiful smile she has and it seems to me like as odd as it sounds becoming unhoused was not only somewhat of a choice for her but also maybe even like a circumstance of the dreams that she never got the opportunity to chase yeah yeah and you know the thing is i've learned a lot um working on the betty willis story um, not only have I learned a lot about Betty and the justice system and some days a lack of a justice system, which I know we'll get to, mm-hmm. but I also learned about, I thought I knew what homelessness was mm. just as a person who's not experienced right. it. Of course, I'm someone who I know what it means to fall on her. I, I understand, I get, I guess I can't say I understand. I, I get that people are going through stuff. Mm-hmm. I get that things happen. 
but you don't get it. Because it kind of bothered me a little bit when I saw the headline that said homeless woman murdered because, mm-hmm. you know, it's always more than that. Yeah. And it's and and Betty Betty might have been unhoused. Betty might have been homeless. Um, that's not the point of the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Leah, if you could appreciate this as a, as a fellow journalist, you want more to the story. Mm-hmm. So Betty did get to a point in her life, though, like you said, where she just and, and, and this kind of goes back to what I was trying to hint at here, Liam, is that she kind of just didn't really trust life. Too many things had kind of like not worked out. And so I think that's part of what led her down down a road of like, you know what, I don't want to have these rules or restrictions or I don't can't trust a landlord. I don't want to sign another paper. I don't want to sign another agreement. I don't want another lease. I just again, that can't be all of it, but that's gotta be some of it. Someone who had been let down mm-hmm. by life too many times. So, you know, that's that's where in the late nineties, after after the post office where Betty ended up, she took early retirement and you know, things just didn't work out with housing, with, you know, stuff, you know, we'll never know the exact details when it comes to that part yeah. of Betty's life. Well, and so, I, you know, I also know just, again, from reading what you've written about this is that she, you know, she still had her daughter, she sold Stephanie, who at this point, um, I believe, um, had children of her own. Um, right, and right. my understanding, too, is, you know, she was still actively a part of of Stephanie's life, of her grandchildren's life. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about what that relationship was like, too? I'm so glad you brought that up, because I think that's the other part that I think is a real great thing for people to know and to learn. Mm-hmm. Like, Betty still went and got her nails done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Betty still... Um, went and visited with her grandkids and loved and adored her grandkids. Um, Betty still had a relationship with her daughter. Um, and, you know, her daughter would come pick her up and they'd go do things. And again, I know some of you guys are sipping on your finer wine, trying to wrap your head around, right? Like, wait, where would you pick her up? Mm-hmm. At the park? At the bus? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because that's where Betty wanted to be. Mm-hmm. It's not, and, and for anyone out there going, well, I don't understand it. It's okay. It's not really for you to understand. No, not at all. It's not always our department, right? right? But the nights always ended the same. Mm-hmm. The The day would always wrap up the same where it's like, hey, come on, mom, come. Her, her daughter, Stephanie, would often encourage her, come stay with us for a little while. Come. No, no, no. Just drop me off at my spot. Mm-hmm. L- let me do my own thing. Let me let me be Betty and the way that I want to be Betty this decade. Let me do that. So, but but you're right. And I'm so glad you brought that up, Liam. She would, she still maintained those family days and um and those things that we think well wait is that is that what someone who's mm. unhoused does of course yeah. why not some of them yeah. yeah well and i think there's something um to be said too about you know uh, and you know, we've we've all met those people who didn't want to be too much of a burden on people you know or you know didn't want to sacrifice their freedoms that they've had exactly and it's like well you know if you live on your own at this point you're mm-hmm. gonna have to blah 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 or you won't get right. this or that it's like yeah but i'm still gonna be on my own and that's yeah. what so many of us ha- want and we all have the right mm-hmm. to do our own thing and betty Betty and I and I talked to some producers and some engineers that she worked with back in the music days, Liam. And back when she was singing, Betty mm. did her own thing, and you hear it in her voice. And uh, you know, in her final decades, when she wasn't doing music, 
Betty was still Mm -hmm. had her own mind. Betty had her own independent mind of what she wanted to do and how she wanted to do it. Yeah. Well, that is more or less what we know about Betty Willis, about how she lived her life leading up to her tragic and untimely death, which brings us back to New Year's Day 2018, the first day in what would be a slow turning of the wheels of justice. So we've just about reached the point in this story where you get involved and write about Betty in LA Magazine, which really elevates her story to the point where it needs to be. And it's this really compelling read that just tugs at the heartstrings and brings you right to the front of this investigation. But I'm wondering if you could explain how you heard all about Betty's story and also what made you want to tell it. It's First off, thanks for saying that. The whole goal was to elevate Betty's story. The whole goal was to get Betty's voice out there because it wasn't. So the whole point was because I thought that the headline, there was so much more to the headline. And we talked earlier about homeless woman murdered. And I, I think that, you know, at the time that Betty's story came out, it wasn't long after that, that I was visiting Detroit for the very first time. And when I was mm. landing in Detroit, the big headline was um aretha franklin memorial service and i don't know if you guys remember because on i I know it aired somewhere multiple places and it was like this you know multi-hour every single person was Mm. there this celebration of life and it was like this soul singer who had who had who was on all of our minds and in all of our hearts and on all of our Mm -hmm. soundtracks and our parents soundtracks and our playlists right and uh there was a huge celebration for this woman's life after 76 years and I couldn't, and it was 2018, I was landing in Detroit, the, you know, Motown itself. And um, I was like, wow, I wish that there could be more of a celebration for everyone's life. And uh-huh. now I get, we don't all get Aretha Franklin level celebration. She uh-huh. deserved that, you know. But um, I also believe that um, a lot of us, you know, don't or won't get, you know, that um, even halfway there with the celebrations. And I wish we could. And mm. so I I really, I, I think um, somebody said, well, why are you doing this Betty story? And I, without even thinking, you know, when you have those snap reactions and you just say something out loud, my, my immediate reaction that I said out loud was because no one else is. Mm. And there's, it was really nice to hear that. <laughs> When it, when it came out of my mouth real fast as kind yeah. of a comeback comment. But it was the truth, because yeah. no one else is. I felt very sincerely um, and very strongly that Betty Willis was being ignored. I perceived mm. her story and parts of her life to be overlooked and ignored. And so that's what really attracted me to it. And I think Aretha, thanks to Aretha, she kind of you know uh, mm. put it over the top because I'm like, okay, now I've got these Aretha headlines. And again, they passed away the same year. It was like, okay, we've got to talk, we've got to do something to elevate and spotlight this unheard voice. So that's, honestly, that's what attracted me to it, because no one else was doing it. Yeah, that's I'm like, I have to get out there, have to do it. Uh, that's incredible. And, you know, I think that's so important, you know, and that's, that's where, you know, a good journalist comes in is, you know, doing something that, you know, isn't being told by everybody, it's being told by, you know, a very unique person. So I think, I think that's really cool. So thank you so much for sharing that. So turning back to Rosendo Peck and his arrest warrant, police write that he had taken a blanket off of a sleeping Betty before he sexually assaulted her. They also say he punched her in the head multiple times and choked her when she screamed for help. 
the maximum sentence Rosendo could face for that enhanced murder charge is life in prison without the possibility of parole. And he pleads not guilty. But Joseph, there is some pretty indisputable evidence in this case. Am I right about that? Uh, you're absolutely right. Um, so remember why Betty wanted this spot, this um, what she perceived to be a safe or safer spot. Um, it's because uh, it was well lit and it's because it had a camera. I later found out at least four cameras. The cops roll up on this scene and this guy, you read the police report, and I know you're going to share my website later, um, but josephfinity.com slash Betty. If you go there, um, you know, you can look at the police report and the narrative, and and this guy was literally caught with his pants down. So mm-hmm. again, we're going to talk in a moment about how the case is still pending. Can you believe that? Five years. Mm-hmm. Over. I've been on this case for so um, five years. And um, but the suspect is seen by two Santa Ana police officers. This drives me wild that we are five years down the road, five years mm. down the road. This is where I'm I'm mostly a journalist, but I think anyone in 2023 is kind of an activist, all of us. And so the the activist in me is going, wait a minute, why are we five years down the road? You've got, you know, Liam asked here about evidence. Liam asked about witnesses. Liam asked about case like what is it strong got two guys who rolled up on this not just two guys two police officers on duty on the force they've mm-hmm. been dispatched by 911 why because a woman cried out for what help then what mm-hmm. well then you have camera surveillance footage you got the surveillance footage um Santa Ana PD goes in investigators go in they successfully retrieve the camera footage maybe up to four cameras four cameras were installed there at the time So they've at least got a few of those cameras. So they've got this footage. Now, um, in the words of my grandmother, what seems to be the problem? Mm -hmm. It's like, what is the holdup here? So that's kind of where, you know, I've had friends and colleagues ask me, hey, what's the latest on the Betty case? And I have nothing to tell them. I, I've, I've done my work for the most part. I've, I've done my research. Um, we're now at a standstill because we're now waiting on the Orange County, um, the, the justice system, California, Orange County's district attorney. Well, and I've seen, you know, cases tried with less, you know, I mean, literally, quite literally, like you said, he was caught with his pants down. I mean, he was caught on camera with all of this. I mean, it would seem to me anyways, I'm, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not an investigator, but it seems to me like the clearest cut case that you can possibly get. Well, and it's, it is indisputable. I, I mean, again, you're, you're not in law enforcement. You are not, um, you know, an on-scene investigator. I don't investigate crime scenes, but, um, it, uh, no rocket science required uh-huh. here. This is one of those, those, one of those cases where I think what you've likely concluded based on what you've read and what you've seen and what we've discussed, um, the facts based on what the investigation and, and the investigators involved have lean towards i mean you know in the act right yeah so you know 99.9 percent of crime over wine listeners probably agree "Mm, that this guy's up to something you know and and in the defense of of you know the district attorney and and um you know uh you want things to be solid and tight and bulletproof um so I guess that's where they're coming from. They want this to be perfect. They obviously maybe know things that we don't know that hasn't been publicly made available. But I will add one other note here, just a side note, a reporter's note. You know, 
it's not going to stay airtight and bulletproof and perfect the way that they want if um <laughs> if you have me and others mm, you know if, if you're not going to do the work right. Right. If I'm going to come have crime and talk about mm. the wine, you know, you've got to get the show on the road. If, you know, time is of the essence, I believe. Right. Um, and, you know, everyone's got a right to justice. And, um, you know, Betty has a right to speedy justice. This suspect, this mm. suspect has a right to a speedy trial. Um, so anyway, that's where yeah. we are. Well, and I think that's a great point. Um, and I think, you know, that, that lands us pretty well of where we are in the story in terms of like, you would think that a crime that not only police encountered in progress, but one that was caught on camera would have justice more than five years later, but you would think wrong. At this point, at least on paper, prosecutors appear to be trying the case against Rosendo Peck. He has a whole bunch of court hearings on his online record, and it reads like a bad Tinder profile. There are about 60 canceled and postponed dates. The court system delayed his trial at least three times, from what I can tell, over the last five years. Joseph, you reported that he has had at least six different public defenders assigned to this case over the last five years, which is just insane to me. Like, what is your understanding for what this big holdup is here? Jeez, uh, I wish I knew. Mm. I wish I knew. Um, even if I did know, um, it would probably just frustrate us even Fair. more because it's like, okay, you know, um, you know, there was a a request, and this hasn't been covered uh very much at all, but there was a request to possibly um, deported. I guess is the right is the right phrase. But yeah, um, but they're they're they looked at at some point early on in this case. They were looking at, um, hey, can we get this guy back to his home country of Guatemala, mm. and maybe just for his protection, yeah. maybe he, you know. Um, but you know, here's the deal. So, um, so so in terms of what's holding it up. Um, this guy has a whole lot of rights now that he uh, has landed here in this country and in a place that, you know, affords, um, people in this country who, um, you know, whether you're a citizen or not, we don't know this, this particular suspect's legal status, by the way, Mm -hmm. but whether he is a documented person or not a documented person, whether he is, um, whatever anyone's story is here in America, once you're here, you've got some protections. And so first we had some relatively legit, um, delays, especially here in Southern California. That was that thing we all know as COVID-19. So we had the COVID delays. What's okay, that? So, yeah. What was that again? That sounds yeah, is, yeah, that yeah. A, is that a, a wine? What was that? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so we've got that that um, legit excuse there of like, okay, you know, public public health, public safety, delaying this, you know, Zoom meetings, whatever. Um, but, you know, like any excuse, um, it, legit or otherwise, it can only last so long. So right. you've got the COVID delays. Fine. Well, but then well, let's pause here and remember that this guy was arrested January 1st, 2018, two years before COVID. So, I mean, that excuse, I, I feel it can only go so far, but but continue. So then we go through 2020, then we get through 2021 and 2022. And um, you've got um, a situation where um, the suspect, and Liam's asked here about delays. So the suspect, um, he says that he does not speak English. He also says he does not speak Spanish. What this leaves us with, it, there's an ancient Mayan dialect that that he that he speaks, that he understands. So that's where we are. Now, 
I know what some of you might be thinking, not because I'm psychic, but because we've been here before, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's, um, you know, uh, are you sure he doesn't understand either of those languages? Well, here's what I understand. What I understand, and Liam, I think I've shown you this report, but you've got the initial police report, which indicates that this suspect, Rosendo Peck, he was pulled in for the for the uh, murder of Betty Willis in 2018, and he was interrogated. So there's this police station interview, you know, when they take you downtown, that kind of thing. That interrogation lasted for 45 minutes, over 40 minutes of a conversation about something. Well, and I, and I believe I remember, if I remember correctly, that that interview was conducted in Spanish, correct? That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So they brought in uh, someone highly trained, highly um, bilingual in English and Spanish. Um, And, you know, from bits and pieces, and I can't talk about all of this part just yet, but from bits and pieces that I know from the scene, the scene of the crime that day at the fabric store, it was indicated to me that that the suspect was, quote, very clear on the instructions and very mm. clear. That's something I got from someone on the scene. It was very clear that he understood um, uh, the initial conversation. So mm. you've got a language barrier, allegedly, or other way. you got a language barrier. You've got a little bit of a COVID barrier. You have a... Um, you have a justice system that I don't know. Is Betty that important? You know, mm. I've been trying to get to the bottom of that. I don't think anyone's ever going to give me a straight answer on that. But you mm. know, is is there something about our justice system or our country that sees certain victims as more important than other victims? Well, and and if we can pause, the only because I feel like it's important to note, you know, all the different, you know, um, you know, intersections of people that we're talking about here. We're talking about someone who is presumed to be homeless, talking about someone who's elderly, and talking about someone who's African American. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm sure all of those factors did not play into her favor here. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that that that's that's my understanding of it. So, like Orange County, when you hear about Orange County, you know, um, it's a certain there's a certain thing that goes along with it, and um, and but it's it's a county that has a lot of. It's not just Anaheim. It's not just Disneyland. It's not mm. just essentially. Um, I think that you leaning into the fact that Betty was a woman. Betty was a woman of color. Mm-hmm. Um, Betty was not a housed woman. Betty was what we call homeless. You know, it's like when this reached the desk, and I don't know, I, I don't know, but when it reached the desk of, um, you know, a district attorney's office, did they see this as a priority or not? Mm-hmm. Um, I think they would probably argue, well, it doesn't matter. Everyone deserves justice. Right. Well, I'd like to believe that too. Well, and also, you know, I because I always think about, and I, I think this is the most bogus um you know elected position on the face of the planet is the district attorney because mm. i don't understand why that person needs to you know appeal to people's votes um but that's a different mm-hmm. podcast probably mm-hmm. but point being, interesting point though yeah yeah and you know what you know because you know i think that compels a certain type of person and not every district attorney but certainly a, ter- a certain type of person to you know want to appeal to that sexy headline and certainly you know elderly black homeless woman gets murdered isn't one of them well yeah and you know i here's the deal i went to the district attorney's office in orange county Mm -hmm. um and i the only reason i went there because you know how reporting is these days especially if it's print or online you don't have to physically show up to certain places believe it or not because everything's you know accessible but after you know six or nine months of lack of 
email mm. responses and lack of voicemail and phone responses, you know, you have to like kind of, you know, head out of, you know, shiny Hollywood and go down to Santa Ana, California mm-hmm. and say, hey, hey, did you get my email? And I did. Right. I had to go there and um, and kind of like, I don't know. It's like pulling teeth. And yeah. my dad's a dentist. I know what pulling teeth is like. It's not this hard. <laughs> well, and you you wrote so um you, you wrote so very detailed about um about that in your article too. So um I suppose maybe I'll you know save that savor that part of this of this part of the story um for people who are interested in in reading more about that because um you know I read that and that's the point in the article after you had wrote wrote to me asking me to uh, um asking me to to have you on this podcast. Yeah. When I was like, oh yeah, let's let's talk about this. <laughs> yeah. Um so, you know, just moving on, you know, to the slow moving wheels of justice um yeah. in this case, you know, no doubt, absolutely, but there is some hope that Betty's case, her life and her story is heard by more than just a couple of journalists and podcasters, but you will need to be the ones who make sure it is. The good news is that Rosendo does have a trial schedule. The Orange County court system is going to put him in front of a judge on April 14th of this year. But that hasn't stopped the criminal justice system from delaying this case before, and we have no reason to believe it won't happen again. So if you care about Betty, like Joseph, and like I have come to care about Betty since Joseph first reached out to me about telling her story, you can put pressure on the prosecutor and the judges to finally put the legal system to the test in this case and let a jury decide what to do with Rosendo. If you want to see that too, call the Orange County District Attorney's Office and tell them that you care about Betty's life. That number is 714-834-3600. You can also email the office and we are also going to put that number and that email in the link to our show notes. I'm so glad you're doing that, Liam. And also, um, it it means a lot when you said that that the story made you care, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole point, right? If you can if you can walk away from this podcast going, oh, I know a little more about this this great artist, mm-hmm. um, this great woman, um, and and just you know, I mean, that's that's the goal. So I'm glad. That, um, I think God, if we can just get a few more people to know absolutely about. You know Betty's case. It's 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 a good thing. Yeah. Well, Betty's life may be over, but I can't help but feel like her story is far from it. And frankly, if anything good has come out of this incredible delay of justice in Orange County, California, it's that we're still talking about Betty fifty years after she last entered a recording studio, and five years after she died in one of the worst ways imaginable. But an artist's work doesn't die with them even when it seems like they gave up on that dream a long time ago. One of the most tragic parts of this story that I felt to my very heart was the extreme passion Betty clearly felt for creating music and her dreams to have that be what defined her life. You can see it in every picture of Betty from the earlier parts of her life. Her face is bright, full of life, laughter, and hope. But that dream died whether it was of her own accord or not. And I'm struck by the lyrics of her most well-known song, Act Naturally, as a reminder of the dreams that she had for herself. We're going to make a film about a girl that's sad and lonely. And begging down upon her bending knee, I'll play the part that I won't need rehearsing. All I gotta do is act naturally. 
All I got to do is act naturally. Mm. By the way, one of probably the most heard songs in the world. It's just one of those. Even people go, "Oh, I've never heard it." You've probably heard it. It's in mm. movies. It's just a. It's just a famous song, even if you can't name it right off the bat. Um, but you know, if there's a soundtrack that goes with Betty's life, she happens to have been the one to have recorded it not knowing at the time that she was recording it you know it's just you know these these things people go out into this world you know and they attempt some of these tough tough industries you know and that's mm-hmm. what betty did you know went out went out to la and and worked to have a career in entertainment and mm-hmm. um you know yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's um it's it's tough hearing the lyrics, yeah. you know? Well, yeah, and again, just in hindsight. Um, but, you know, we promised you that we would bring Anthony back into the fold. And yes, I love yes. this part of the story. Um, there is this story that you tell in your article, and I'm getting a little emotional even just yeah. like, like thinking about it, um, about, you know, Betty's old friend that just melts and breaks my heart all at once. And I'm just going to give it to you. Can you just can you Me tell too. us what we're talking about? Oh, I- Oh gosh. Um so I was I was looking not as a journalist but as just a human being. I was looking for where is the glimmer of hope in the story or where is mm-hmm. the heart and how does this end this it ends with Betty being a mother and a grandmother raped and murdered on the streets of Santa Ana. Mm-hmm. Uh are you sure is that really how it ends? And while Betty's story is still actively unfolding, um, one thing that her post office pal, Betty's post office friend, who still lives in the Santa Ana area today, um, a little bit older, he's not 18 anymore, <laughs> um, and um, but just as sweet because I met him not long ago, and I met him for this Los Angeles Magazine article, and um, and I talked to Anthony, the young man from the post office, the record collector, the music junkie, and... Um, and he told me this amazing story that makes Liam cry and makes me cry. And uh, essentially, um, Anthony told me, he said the last time he saw Betty was just a few years ago, just like two years before her murder. And um, Anthony had had Betty on his mind. She had left the Postal Service in the 1990s. He only retired a few years ago. So we're 2023 now. So he didn't retire until about 2017, 2018 or so. Mm-hmm. So Anthony was just wondering where Betty had been, and he learned that she hung out at this at this one area, this one park, and she had learned that she was um, homeless and she was unhoused. And he he just he had been. You remember in 1980, I told you, Liam, that he was collecting her music, and that was in the record form. Well, now he had taken so many of those records, not just of Betty Willis, but of other people, other artists, and he had started this YouTube channel, because that's what you do, right? We talked about moving on with the times. He had he had uploaded all this unheard vinyl onto a YouTube channel. And so now people across the world, they were now hearing Betty's music. And for the very first time, too, For right? the very, correct. Yeah. Liam brings up a great, great point. While these um, records did end up in certain parts of the world, you know, um, music was more regional back then and things didn't always take off the way that they do now. You couldn't trend the way you do now back then and not everyone could hear you at the same time. And so um, he basically, Anthony, the old um, colleague, the old postal worker, got Betty's music out on YouTube and he now 
there's now one person who hadn't heard about this. And maybe the one person who hadn't heard enough of Betty Willis that they should have heard, and that was Betty Willis. Um, So Anthony felt that it was his duty. And sometimes us music fans get like this. We're like, we need to tell so-and-so just Mm. what, you know, look, look, look at, look at your music, look at what it's doing. You know, it's, it's like, you know, impacting people around the world. And, and so Anthony was, you know, now he's in his, you know, late forties, early fifties. Sorry, Anthony. Um, (laughs) But that's where Anthony is now. Still looking great, by the way. And Anthony (laughs) um, was able to, he he found out where Betty um, was staying. And so he went to his computer and he did all these screenshots, screen captures and printouts of like how much Betty's records were going for on eBay because mm-hmm. they're rare and they're Betty Willis recordings and they're Phil Spector recordings. And so essentially he got all these printouts and he was now determined to find his friend because remember what connected Betty and Anthony in the first place? It was mm-hmm. the music. It was right. the music. And it, it, you know, sparked this thing in Betty and Anthony, his excitement has not dwindled down one bit. He is remixed and recharged and he's ready to go find Betty. So that's what he does. Um, a few years before Betty's death, um, he goes and he finds Betty at a park in the Santa Ana area. And he, he basically rolls up and he finds this woman and he's like, are you, once again, we're back to Betty? Betty Willis? Is that you, Betty? (laughs) And she looks up and she smiles and he's like, oh, that's Betty. And so he gets out of his (laughs) car and he goes... Still with the shades on, if I remember Still with the shades on, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Still has the shades on that she wore indoors and outdoors. And so there she is. And and they're just talking and, and chatting. And Anthony made sure not to... He didn't have a desire or interest or any point in mentioning, wait, you're you're homeless? What's going on here? What's the, you know, sometimes in life, you just have to hit the fast forward button and, you know, just get to the point. Don't don't try and get caught up in the whole trying to understand everything. So he just skipped right past the whole, you know, what are you doing here in a park? Mm. He just went right to what he knew, which was Betty and music. And he said, come in the car. I want to, I want you to hear something. And Anthony took Betty into his vehicle and they're sitting there and, and he's like, I want you to hear this. And he had a, a burn CD for those of you who remember mixing <laughs> CDs back in the day. And he put in a CD and he had, he had um, put together, again, he had all these printouts for Betty to see just so she could see the impact that she had had in her life and in music. And he showed her all the printouts of where her music had gone in this lifetime. And, and he said, I want you to hear this. And put the CD in. I was about to say record. <laughs> he put the CD in. And um, the first track that he had mixed on the CD was Act Naturally so that Betty could hear it. And so these two people who first met back in the summer 1980, now they are here again in 2016 or so. And a little bit older, no longer back at the post office, but there's that same song again, that same old song. And there's that same old smile, Betty. And... Um, Betty still had her sunglasses on while she was in the passenger seat of the car. And, <laughs> and Anthony is sitting in the driver's seat, just kind of playing the music, doing what he knows how to do as a fan, which is just be excited about the music. And they're sitting there listening to, they're going to put me in the movies. They're going to make a big star out of me. They're going to make a film about a girl that's sad and lonely. All I've got to do is act naturally. The same song that they first came together and sang randomly at that post office in Santa Ana. And, Anthony doesn't know what to do because he's getting a little emotional. So he looks over at Betty, even though she had her shades on, 
And again, this is just a couple of years before Betty's passing. Even though she had her shades on, something she couldn't hide as the music rang out on the speakers. And it was so special because Anthony told me that he looked over and he saw this tear coming mm. down Betty's cheek. And he mm. didn't say anything. Yeah. And he's just kind of, you know, they're listening to this music that this woman recorded in the 1960s at um, Gold Star Studios in Hollywood. And... um <sighs> he said that there's one thing that Betty said and he, and she didn't really say it necessarily to anyone, Liam. She said it kind of just as she stared straight out the window at the park that they were parked in front of. And she just looked out the window and she said, damn, this is so good. Mm. This music is so good. And the really special part, Liam, is that that's, I think what um, Anthony was trying to remind her of and prove mm. to her all along that god betty your music and your voice is so good man that story is so good and i like that gets me every time i read every time i read that i was like liam pull it back together pull it back pull together. it together pull yeah. it can we do a toast to betty we should do a oh cheers. toast to betty absolutely toast to everyone raise your glass to betty oh, jane man. willis yep act naturally she everybody deserves it well, thank you so much for sharing that, Joseph. And that is all that we have for you this week. Joseph, thank you so much for coming on this week and for your work sharing Betty's story and really for the first time among pretty much anybody. Well, you are so welcome. Thank you for having me. You and a few other podcasters out there have done a great job at highlighting Betty Willis' story. So thank you for telling her story. She deserves it. Well, tell everyone where they can find you and your work and also, you know, all of the, you know, amazing Betty stories that you've written over the years online. Absolutely. Uh, the best place to go, and I know you'll link to this, but I'll spell it out anyway, mm-hmm. Joseph Finity, F-E-N-I-T-Y, josephfinity.com slash Betty. Go there, and that's kind of the central source and the central hub for the soul of Betty Willis and Betty's mm-hmm. story. And then, of course, I know a lot of you like are on TikTok and um, and Instagram. I'm not very good at that, but you're welcome <laughs> to join me at the old school places like um, Twitter. Remember that thing at Finity at F E N I T Y. Remember that one? Are you there? Are you blocked yet? Are you oh, banned uh, and no, reported? Not yet. I'm close to it though. Every okay. day. <laughs> All right, blocked and reported. But I am at Finity on Twitter and then Facebook. Uh, slash finity f-e-n-i-t-y so join me at finity on those two things and then of course um you can see betty's story at josephfinity.com and i cannot believe that i just did crime over wine this is so fun Leo. oh this was so fun thank you so much for coming for inviting on myself because that's you. what i did you know what sometimes <laughs> we have to invite ourselves you know what i mean and i'm so glad you did i'm so glad you slid into my dms to tell me about betty's story because otherwise i probably would never would have found out about it and it's it was it was it was really a story that touched my heart so thank you so much joseph i really can't thank you enough You are so cool. Thank you for having me, Liam. Well, thank you again so much for coming on. And thank you all so much for listening throughout these last 10 episodes. If you are enjoying this podcast and are just wondering, how can I tell anyone and everyone about it? The single best way to do that is to leave us a five-star rating wherever you're listening and also leave us a review. It is the best way to help true crime and wine friends discover this podcast. We are going to put all of our sources on our website so you can read everything for yourself and probably come up with a few theories too. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we will see you next week for another episode of Crime Over Wine.
proud member of the Podnuga Network.